I want to introduce our guest speaker tonight. And here he is. Yes, sir. He's been calling me coach all night. Yes. Uh, but I'll call him coach right now because he's going to be our coach for the evening. Thank you, sir. Mr. Daniel Grissom is here from Atlanta, Georgia, my hometown. I especially love Mr. Daniel tonight because yeah. he came from the Peach State this afternoon. Yeah. And he came all the way to Memphis just to talk to us about the topic tonight, which is Jehovah's Witnesses. Daniel came out of the Jehovah's Witness group, which he'll tell us about in more detail. And he came to Christ, and he's going to share with us tonight about Jehovah's Witnesses, and even more importantly than that, how we can reach Jehovah's Witnesses for the Lord. So I hope you're excited. I hope you've got um, just a ready heart and ready ears to really engage. We provided some extra note sheets tonight that was at Daniel's request so that you could write as much as possible um, as he presents, because we want tonight not just to be entertaining to you or exciting for you, but helpful for you. And the way to do that is to take the posture of a learner tonight, writing down, taking notes on things that God teaches you and shows you so that you can really um, use those things in your everyday life. Tools in your toolkit, as Daniel has already told me yes, sir. he wants to provide. So let me pray for our time, and then Daniel will lead the rest of our session together. Thank you for being here. God, we do thank you for tonight. You're an awesome and wonderful God. Lord, we thank you that for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whosoever believed in him would not perish but have everlasting life. We thank you today, Lord, that you are all that we need. And Lord, that in your love, you provided everything for us in your son, Jesus, for those who receive your gift of grace by faith. So Lord, I pray more than anything else tonight that the resounding power of your gospel, the saving message of Jesus would be loud and clear for us. Lord, that we would know more than ever the truth and the wonder the joy and satisfaction sufficiency of your awesome saving power and grace in your son, Jesus. Lord, I pray that you would bless and anoint our brother Daniel. Help him as he teaches and help us as we listen. Lord, that we would be equipped for the work of ministry you've called each of us to do. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, let's give your pastor, let's give Baird a little love. He needs love. He needs love. Okay, good evening. Hello, I'm Daniel, and uh, as Barrett said, my goal tonight is to give you some insights and some tools so that you can help others on your mission to teach others about God's Word. Before we get into that, let me tell you a little bit about me from a, from a background perspective, and uh, I'll give you a little bit of an outline for today. So first of all, see. I, um, you may not know this, uh, I actually, let's see if we can go here. Uh, I wanted to start here. I'm a family man. I drove in from Atlanta, Georgia. My wife is Tasia. My son is Isaiah. It's a little bit of an old photo. Isaiah's actually going into the fifth grade. And uh, Isaiah's a Taekwondo green belt. And anybody that's in the martial arts, I joined him. We had a scrimmage this weekend. So I may be walking a little funny. I actually beat a black, I actually beat a black belt over the weekend. Um, but you wouldn't know it because I'm walking around here like Fred Sanford, if you all remember that. So I'm a family man. I drove in from Atlanta. Now, I'm also a business coach, a sales coach. Now, the reason I say that is because, as Barrett said, I will use terms more like coach. I was talking to Candace in the back, talking about offense and defense. I didn't go to seminary, at least not yet. And so I wouldn't typically use a word like apologetics to talk about defending God's Word, though I can use the Word. You might hear me use words like team and playbook and toolkit, and you're thinking, what seminary did this guy go to? 
Well, I actually didn't go to seminary, but I'm a pretty decent student of God's Word. At least I'm trying to be. So work with me tonight if you hear me use that language, and at least you'll have some context for why I'm using terms like that. Is that fair? Okay. Now, uh, from a business standpoint, doesn't really matter to many of you, but I'll typically go into a company and help companies and teams be more effective. Google, IBM, ExxonMobil, Eli, Eli Lilly, Walgreens, Clear, NASDAQ, Africa, Asia, Malaysia. My job is to go in and help teams create a toolkit or a playbook to go out on the field of play. And in this case, we call it missions and start helping more people. So there's some metaphors here. So now that you know who I am, let me make it clear who I'm not, Okay. Because I know some of you have been thinking, who is this fake-looking Steve Harvey? Because I know that's what you thought, bro. Who is this fake-looking Steve Harvey that they brought in from Atlanta, Georgia? So let's be clear. I'm not Steve. Wish I had his money. And for those of you who don't know who Steve Harvey is, somebody will nudge you and let you know he's a comedian. He's cut his hair off, so he doesn't look like that necessarily today. But I give you that for fun. Well... I'd like to start by telling you my story, step one. Then I'd like, you to, I'd like to tell you their story to the best of my ability. And then I think the third part of this is Q&A and how can I be helpful and how can you, as I said on a voice memo to, to Barrett, to Pastor uh, last night, they knock on your door. Maybe we should be in a position where we're knocking on their door. And so, um, with that in mind, let me tell you a little bit of my story. And if you're ready, say ready. Ready. All right. So, uh, personal story, I was born in Detroit, Michigan. Uh, I'm the middle of three boys. There's David, Daniel, and I've got a younger brother named Paul. Now, we were born and raised to believe in God, but we weren't regular churchgoers. I mean, the Bible was something, you all, that I just kind of touched if I had a tough test in school or something and kind of rubbed on it a little bit like Atlanta's lamp, Atlanta's lamp, as opposed to really understanding God's Word. Well, let me fast forward. I went on and I went to Michigan State University. I got my bachelor's degree. Went to Clark Atlanta University, got my master's degree. And I tell you that just to make this point. Uh, academically, Uh, I was a master, at least an MBA. Scripturally, I was an illiterate. And the reality is that too often times, the witnesses or the cults, the fertile ground basically are folks that don't understand God's Word. In fact, I would like you just to put this in your notes. You'll hear me do this several times. Ignorance is the enemy of excellence. Ignorance is the enemy of excellence. And I was ignorant to God's Word. So I was susceptible when the Jehovah's Witnesses knocked on my door and looked to uh, be pretty buttoned up. I was married at the time, and uh, the marriage was going through some challenges, and they came to me with a book called The Family and Happiness Book. I 
thought to myself, the family and happiness book. I mean, I kind of heard some weird things about you, Jehovah's Witnesses, but I mean, who can give up a free eye? You know, who, who can resist the temptation to sitting down and studying with someone from a book called the family and happiness book? And in the family and happiness book, it talked about God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit and a husband's role and the wife's role and living a clean life. And I thought to myself, well, this is the exact same stuff I, I kind of heard other Christians talk about. And when I went to All Saints Church, an Episcopalian church, this is what we used to learn. So I said it to this gentleman here. Here's another quick quote for your notes. They use the same vocabulary, but a different dictionary. Same vocabulary, but different dictionary. So when they say Jesus... Maybe a little different definition than ours. When they say Jehovah or God, maybe a little different definition than ours. And we'll get into that. But in general, same vocabulary, different dictionary. Well, um, what happened was I started to develop a relationship with one of the Jehovah's Witnesses. Like, Like in all relationships. Friendships, non-platonic relationships, you start to fall in love. And when you start to fall in love, you, you don't always look at all the blemishes. You're, trying to, you're looking for reasons to overlook the blemishes. Are you with me on that, people? And, and, and the Jehovah's Witnesses didn't start with ah doctrine. It was all the ABCs that you'd nod and go, yes, yes. So sometimes if you're wondering, how could anybody ever join the Jehovah's Witnesses? Well, number one, uh, if, if there's some scriptural ignorance, there's vulnerability. Number two, they're using the same vocabulary, different dictionary. And the third part would be falling in love with people. That when you fall in love with the people, then you start to be open to hearing their thoughts and their doctrine, and you start to, um, you're open to the possibilities that maybe what they're teaching and their angle might be accurate. Here's the third quote, though, for your notes. Because over time, I discovered this. Here's the third quote. I had confused their sincerity for accuracy. I had confused their sincerity, Robbie, for accuracy. I wasn't very smart on God's Word. Uh, They taught me that there were 66 books in the Bible and a number of other things. And and then I started to fall in love with the friendship. Uh, We didn't have a lot of friends in Cincinnati, Ohio. Um, And uh, as I said, they were using the same vocabulary. Well, to fast forward the story, over time I had discovered that I had mistaken this sincerity for accuracy. And started doing some serious homework and ultimately left the organization. I, I used to go out in field service. I would have knocked on your door. This was about a three- to five-year period. I ultimately left the organization, moved to Chicago, Illinois. And again, I'll give you more detail on my story, but it's less about me, more about we tonight. But the bottom line is uh, I'm a born-again Christian. And, and Robbie said this to me earlier. He said, Daniel, you know, a lot of us are new Christians. And I will say to you that, I, I say to you tonight, born again, and I would say that was true just July the 1st of 2013. 
Now, prior to that, I got baptized in 2003, but it may have been more of an outside-in desire than an inside-out. So I come to you tonight um, telling you my story so that you'll understand that when we talk about the witnesses tonight, I'm not speaking from like research or a book that I wrote. I'm, 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 I'm speaking from the heart and the experiences that I had. Is that fair? Okay. So with that in mind, what I'd like to do, if that's my story in summary, then let's get into their story in summary. Let me start by saying this before we go, Robbie, to a video or two. Um, The Jehovah's Witnesses are sincere, they're studious, they're loving, they're good people. They, too, have confused sincerity for accuracy. Now, I say that because instead of looking at them or another kind of counterfeit Christian organization uh, with disdain, I've learned to look at them with love, where they've confused sincerity for accuracy. And you're in a position, we're in a position to help them. Typically, when we think missions, or at least when I've heard us talking about missions, and I don't just mean us here at ICC, but many churches, lady, could be your, ladies, could be your church, churches. We're thinking about going to Nicaragua, which is great. My church in Atlanta does that and do missions. We typically are going out and teaching offense, what's true about God's Word. But I said to Candace, and if you're a sports fan, you can relate to this, we also need to teach defense what's not true about God's Word. Would you make that note? Offense, what's true about God's Word. Defense, what's not true about God's Word. And if you're a sports fan, you've heard it said, offense wins games. Defense wins championships. There's a school of thought that says offense wins games. Offense will get you into the playoffs, but defense wins games. If we're going to be an effective team for Christ, we got to learn and teach offense and defense. And so, Barrett, I want to compliment you. I said the and Robbie and the organization because I will tell you there's not many organizations like or churches like yours or this church that's actually teaching both sides of the ball. You teach offense on Sunday. This Wednesday is about defense with love. So the Jehovah's Witnesses loving people, and what I'd like to do is share with you a video or two. I'll start the first one, and this video will give you, for your notes, put the top 10 beliefs of the Jehovah's Witnesses. We're going to cover the top 10 beliefs of the Jehovah's Witnesses. This will be like a nice summary of what they believe, and then we can talk about why do they believe that and what should I do about that and, you know, and all that good stuff. And if you're ready, say ready. ready. All right, so you're here. And so let me get this going. Hi, I'm Daniel. And here are the top 10 Jehovah's Witness beliefs. Belief number one, there is one true religion. So Jehovah's Witnesses believe that there is one true religion, and they are it. They are spiritual Israel. Number two, the Bible. 
They believe that their translation of the Bible, the New World Translation, is the most accurate translation that exists in the world and that all other translations are inaccurate because they omit the proper name of Jehovah and for other reasons. Number three, the return of Christ. The Jehovah's Witnesses believe that Jesus Christ returned in 1914 and Jesus returned invisibly in 1914 and has been here since his invisible presence, that is. And Satan was cast down from the heavens to earth in 1914. And as evidence of that, World War I and other calamities in 1914 are cited. Shocking belief number four, that Jesus was Michael. They believe that Jesus was Michael, the archangel, before he came to earth. And then Jesus became man, and that Jesus is son of God. Number five, that there are two classes of Christians. The Jehovah's Witnesses believe that there are two classes. The anointed class, which is made up of 144,000 people, they will go to heaven. And the great crowd, the rest of humanity, or the rest of the Jehovah's Witnesses, will live here on earth forever in an earthly paradise. Belief number six, blood. They don't believe in blood transfusions, even if death is imminent, based on Leviticus 17, 14. Belief number seven, salvation. They believe that only Jehovah's Witnesses are truly saved. And if you don't belong to the truth, to their organization, then you're lost. Belief number eight. Shocking but true, they believe that the government, regardless of country, are tools of Satan. And therefore, they don't vote, they don't sing the national anthem, and they don't pledge their allegiance to the flag. Shocking belief number nine. The cross. The Jehovah's Witnesses believe that Jesus did not die on a cross, but on an upright stake. Last but not least, belief number 10, holidays. Many of us know this. They believe that uh, observing holidays like birthdays and other man-made holidays are not from God and therefore pagan, and therefore they don't celebrate those holidays. These are the top 10 Jehovah's Witnesses' beliefs. Are they loving people? Absolutely, no question about that. Do these beliefs line up with God's word found in the Bible? Mm, that's another question for you to decide. If you believe so, then join them. But if not, then you need to run, not walk, and tell a friend. I hope this video has been helpful to you. And if so, then share it immediately with some others. God bless you, and I hope to talk to you soon. Okay, team. You said that was helpful? Okay, helpful how? Let me go here. How is this helpful? What light bulb kind of went off for you? Let's do some, well, I believe in conversations more than presentations. Is that fair? So now it's time to converse a little bit. So what was helpful? What, what light bulb kind of got a little bit brighter where you thought, ooh, I didn't know that, or ooh, that's helpful? Well, I didn't know any of this besides the whole holidays and no voting, so it was really eye-opening to find out the, that they thought Jesus was Michael and that Satan came to earth. And I'd never heard any of that before, so okay. that was really helpful. Very good. Give me another hand or two in terms of what was helpful, maybe what hit home for you, what light bulb went off. You said it was helpful. Helpful how? Most of this um, was really new to me. I thought they were just weird people that went up to your door and tried to, them, tried to get them to believe your religion. And I thought it was very informative, and it was awesome. Gotcha. So, so yeah, I thought they were weird folks, right? I mean, Jehovah's Witnesses think that you're weird, folks, <laughs> and that I'm weird. I mean, that's what they say about us. That's what we used to say, right, about you. 
that you're weird and what's wrong with y'all? And how come you won't listen? And you got the wrong Bible. And why are you selling the holiday, celebrating the holidays? It's, it's the kind of the exact same energy and the exact same kind of meetings, but they were looking at us on the other side of the ledger. Now, the point that I'm making is, you know, when we're thinking they're weird, then I, I, I come to you, Barrett, with an energy of you're weird and I'm going to convert you. But if we come with an energy of, you know what, they've confused sincerity for accuracy. And part of my missions field is to help folks like this. Then uh, I think it allows us to, to, to relate and connect a little differently. How about just one third person with something that stood out for you? Yes, ma'am. Uh, let me come on over here and give you the mic. You know, I'm, I can hear that girl. I hear that. What, what, what were you singing at this weekend? Let me, um, no? Well, I'm not Aretha. Oh, no. <laughs> so what stood out for you? Talk to us. What, what stood out to me, having grown up here in Memphis, and you know, when you grew up in the foot homes, you have so many uh, different views of Jehovah Witness. Mm-hmm. They used to knock on our door to leave things, and people would run and hide like they were going to poison you. Yes. And that's what I grew up with. Yeah. Some people wouldn't even open the door. Yes. But I think um, what stood out to me in today's time and age, mm-hmm. if this was your child, mm. This is to you, mm. the speaker. Yes, ma'am. If this was your child, and the only thing that would save that child's life is a blood transfusion, what would you do? Well, I would have gotten the blood. Okay. Right? But that, that's why I didn't stay. Okay. There were a couple of things. I used to say this. I used to say that I was an 88 percenter, <laughs> meaning I believed about 88 percent of what they taught. But there was like another 12%. I was like, I don't know if I really believe that. That's what y'all told me to believe. But if the game is on the line, I'm getting me some blood, okay? Yeah, me some blood. Okay? Coach. Yeah, coach. Yes. Now, I'd like you to make that note. 88% versus 12%. Now, where I'm going with this, and I think where Aretha is going on this, is... That that same percentage is true with many active Jehovah's Witnesses. They look buttoned up, sold out, 100 percenters. But there's some cracks in the armors because there's some beliefs. I mean, you saw those top 10. Now, did everybody study that in a rigorous way and draw that conclusion? In the Jehovah's Witnesses, no. You're just kind of buying into the doctrine. And so... I would say that, and I'm just sharing from the heart, that that comment that I just made about being an 88 percenter, many are in the organization, and they're staying, not because they're 100% sure, but it's that when they look at our behavior, they go, well, where would I go if I left the Jehovah's Witnesses? I got to make a comment or two about that, right? You turn on a TV evangelist, and you see what you see. I'm not going to call any names. And I remember when I was studying with the Jehovah's Witnesses, we would kind of use that as validation of, hey, we may not have it all right, but I know these folks on TV. That's where I'm supposed to go? And so I wonder if our own Christian conduct isn't somehow almost feeding the cult behavior. I heard a yeah back there, so let me just grab a mic. I'm going to go into Phil Donahue mode and just some of y'all too young for Phil. Y'all remember Phil Donahue, don't you? Yeah, let me go here. All right, so hand it on back to mom back there if you would. 
And because she said, yeah, you know where I'm going with that. Can you speak on that? Because now here's where I'm going with this. We're going to talk about the Jehovah's Witnesses, and we are. But right now, we, I think we ought to take about five minutes to talk about ourselves. Because mm-hmm. our own behavior or lack of some behavior could be contributing to this outcome. Amen. Tell me what you think. Amen. I agree with that. Um, a lot of times, we are the only Jesus that people will see. Yes. Or we, are, we are the light, mm. you know, and we must be able to, um, wherever we go, we don't recognize, don't realize what other beliefs that people may fall into or they may come up in or may decide to be a part of. And so they might have had that, that thought of, well, what I see other people doing, they say they say, they say they're Christians, and they're doing what I do. Yes. So who looks different, you know, so they decide to do what they do. But then who's going to be the Jesus for them to see? And that's what we have to step up. That's what we have to stand in. You might be by yourself because Mm. we are sometimes. Mm. So you be that Jesus for them to see. And then they say, oh, that's what it looks like for real. I love what's your name? Samika. Samika? Yes. I love what Samika's saying. Here's what I hear her saying for your notes. Samika got a quote for you. If you're ready, say ready. Now, look. I say this when I'm in the business seminars. Now, if I say, we got to have an upfront agreement. Lord, look at me. Give me eye contact here. Now, if I say something that I think is intelligent, you have to work, work with me here. And you have to act like you think it's intelligent too. And you have to pretend like you're writing it down. Okay? You don't have to have nothing on the paper. Like this lady right here, she ain't got nothing on her paper. <laughs> there ain't nothing there. But she's, she's working with me. You know, she's she working with me. And that's what I love about her. Right, she's working with me. So y'all got to work with me, okay? Okay, so here's what I hear her saying, because this is what the Jehovah's Witnesses are saying. Jehovah's Witnesses are saying, let me see if I can get this uh, back. My doctrine might be wrong, but my behavior is right. Now, I'm going to flip it. So this is what I hear her saying. My doctrine might be wrong. You, you want to come preach to me? You want to knock on my door, supposed Christian? Well, my doctrine might not be right. Excuse me, how did I put it? Uh, yeah. My doctrine might be wrong, but my behavior is right. I show Christian love. I got Christian conduct. I leave a clean life. In contrast, let's flip it. Your doctrine might be right, but your behavior is wrong. And so whether it was Mormonism last week, Jehovah's Witnesses this week, this is part of the paradox. We got the right doctrine with the wrong behavior typically. And so it's difficulty. I mean, you, I know many of you want to, well, how should I approach them if they knock on my door or go to the gas station? I think part of what we're struggling with as Christians is the Christian community as a whole. Our conduct isn't as consistent with God's word as it ought to be. And so there's a, would you make a note, credibility gap, a Christian credibility gap. That's what it is. There's a Christian credibility gap on the whole. Therefore, when you start knocking on my door, I look at your behavior. I watch your people on TV. It's a Christian credibility gap. So, so you may have a great singular Bible point, and you're going, why didn't that point land? Right? I mean, like, like, like what? I thought that was going to move them. Because at a macro level, there's a major Christian credibility gap. I'd like to um, build on this just for one or two more minutes if I could. Am I doing okay? 
Okay, all right. So let me just put this down for a second, and I want to show you a little something, something. And I want you to consider drawing a picture for me here. Let me see if I can get here real quick. Now, this is from, um, I literally took uh, one of my uh, business presentations. Just changed one or two things because I, I, I thought, you know, missions is very much like sales. Now, I know we would never say that. But in the same way, we're talking about, just for your notes, influence. Influence. We're trying to influence them. They're trying to influence us. I'd like you to draw this visual. Uh, now, just let me step aside for a moment. I'm going to step from the Bible just to the left for just a second, just to make a, a general point. How many of you are uh, work for a business or in the world of business? Do some business work. So we got some business folks in here. All right. How many of you are sports folks, have played a sport before or like sports? Okay. More hands go up. All right. Um, let me make a point. For 10 years, I've gone out and done training and seminars, and I've discovered that there's only three areas to improve your performance. Whether you're getting into tip-top shape as an athlete and you're working on kind of getting, in, uh, getting that knee just right or that Achilles hit. Plan, do, review. Stay with me. You plan your work, you work your plan, and then you slow down and review. All right, let me make this come alive. I see some eyes kind of like, where are you going with this, Steve Harvey? Okay, where are you going? All right, hold on. A sports team practices four or five times a week. That's the plan. They play the game on Sunday. Ladies, gentlemen, what happens on Monday? They watch the tapes. Why do they watch the tapes? To learn. Figure out what they did wrong. Figure out what they did right so they could repeat it. What would the risk or the vulnerability be if you found out that your favorite sports team wasn't slowing down to review the game footage after they played the game on Sunday? What would the vulnerability be? Make same mistakes. Wouldn't improve. Susceptible to the competition. Here it is. I want you to Go back to where it says the success cycle. Scratch that out and put discipleship cycle. The discipleship cycle. Here's what happens. In sales and in business and in our churches, are we balanced in all three stages? Now, the plan stage is where uh, the Christian, before, they, before we go to church, we, uh, bear it, we contact your church, and we find out what you're going to be preaching on Sunday and what scriptures you're going to be preaching on, and so we do a pre-read. Then we show up in the do stage. We listen to pastor preach. We take a couple of good notes. And then the following Sunday, we review. And Barrett says, how did you do with last week's learning? Did you take action? What did you learn? And then he preaches a new sermon. Do we tend to do that or do we tend to be balanced in all three stages or heavy in one stage? Come on, Claire, talk to me. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Not you, but Christians you know. What stage do Christians you know tend to be heavy in? The do stage. And here's my point. The Jehovah's Witnesses have a plan, do, review system. Before you go to the kingdom hall on Sunday, you must 
do some homework. In the plan stage, answer some questions. Then in the do stage, Robbie, you go out and field service. Then in review stage, in theocratic ministry school on a Tuesday night, we would debrief. What did you learn? What did you do, etc. I'm going back to the point that was made earlier. We have the, we got the truth, but we don't have the disciple-making system. They got the lie, and they got the disciple-making system. So I think if, if we're serious about changing the way things are, we've got to commit to a plan, do, review process. Let me just ask two questions for your notes, and then we're going to do Q&A. If you're ready, say ready. ready. Question for your notes. Does your church have a plan, do, review culture? For your notes... Does your church have a plan, do, review culture? Really? Does it have a plan, do, review culture? Or are you heavy on the do? Now, the do is we show up every Sunday. We didn't do no plan. We didn't do no reading. We showed up, didn't do no reviewing, but we, we good about the do. Second question, do I have plan, do, review habits as a Christian do I have plan, do, review habits? And I think if we can start to do this at a macro level as a Christian community, credibility kicks in, behavior is consistent with our doctrine, and good things happen. That's macro. Let's go back to the Jehovah's Witnesses' top 10 beliefs and give you a chance to ask some micro questions. If you're ready, say ready. All right, so let me, let me stop. I said conversation, not presentation, and I feel like I'm doing most of the talking, so that makes an alarm go off in my system. Let me get two or three good questions, clarity questions about the top ten beliefs or clarity questions about anything that's happened to you when they knocked on your door. Yes, ma'am. What's your, oh, let me get the, uh, yep, the microphone and um, tell us who you are, and there you go. Hello. Uh, I think everybody What's your knows name? me. Joanna. Joanna. How you doing, Joanna? Um, pretty good. I have a question for number six, uh, number five. There are two classes of Christians. Yeah. I, I don't really understand gotcha. what that means. Two classes. Did you hear Joanna's question? Two classes of Christians. I don't really understand that. What's that all about? Okay. So you all have heard um, that the Jehovah's Witnesses believe that there are only 144,000 that are going to go to heaven? Okay. So there is the anointed class, and then there is the earthly class. Now, now stay with me now. Let's put on your safety belt. I'm trying to, I hate to say it like this, but I'm trying to explain crazy, okay? So, 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 So just work with me for a second here. For your notes, anointed class, earthly class. They believe that 144,000, anointed Jehovah's Witnesses will go to heaven. So the alarm goes off. Well, wait a minute. Uh, you mean the Jehovah's Witnesses don't believe that everyone's going to go to heaven? Well, they believe that the other Jehovah's Witnesses will have what they call an earthly hope. They're the earthly class. Well, what do you mean? Well, they believe that God is going to restore an earthly paradise, like Adam and Eve, right, be, 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 before there was a fall in paradise. And so... Um, when you hear that only 144,000 Joanna are going to heaven, you would think that most Jehovah's Witnesses would run out of there. And so you might be thinking, how could they stay there if they only believe 144,000 are going to heaven? Well, the doctrine is basically saying there's 144,000 
Paul's or Mark's or Luke's or Matthew's that are anointed that are going to heaven. And then the rest of us as Jehovah's Witnesses will be resurrected and will live here on earth have an earthly paradise. And so that's the explanation behind the two classes of Christians. Now, they never said, or they don't use language like, hi, Joanna, welcome to the kingdom hall. There's two classes of Christians. Which seat will you sit in today? Will you sit to the left? Or in the, it, they're not that explicit. Uh, but the reality is those two classes of Christians. Do they believe in Revelation? They do in the book of Revelation? Uh-huh. Yes. In fact, they cite the book of Revelation with a number 144,000 appears. And that's where they get the number 144,000. And, 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 and they would bring me there, Joanna, and say, that's where we got that number from. Now, let me make another quick comment that I think will frame several of your questions for your notes. When you take the text out of the context, for your notes, when you take the text out of the context, you're left with nothing but a con. You like that? You like that? I had to throw a little neighborhood on you on that. Yes. When you take the text, T-E-X-T, out of the context, C-O-N-T-E-X-T, when you take the text out of the context, you're left with nothing but a con. So when we see the 144,000, there's a different context that we're looking at, and we draw one conclusion. They draw a completely different conclusion. Okay, I have one last question. Yes, ma'am. Maybe that's the last one. Okay. Uh, you didn't really share for, with us, like, how did you tr- convert from this religion to Christianity? Like, what happened and sure, why? Sure, sure. So um, I'll give you the big picture version and happy to give you all the detail version. There was a book I found that was written. It was called Crisis of conscience. I do want you to write that down, actually. It may be a book that you might want to get. Crisis of conscience. Kind of an odd little title, but conscience of Christ. Crisis of conscience. Yeah, crisis. Crisis of conscience. And it was written by a gentleman named Ray France. Ray, R-A-Y. And France is F-R-A-N-Z. He's passed away. He was one of the 144,000. At least he thought he was. He was one of the people who wrote the Watchtower. And he reached a point in the mid-70s where he had some aha moments. He he claimed to realize that it was a man-made organization, that it wasn't Jehovah's soul channel on earth. And he documents, since he was in these, it it would be the equivalent of this. It's like one of those 60-minute kind of exposés where you had an insider that blew the whistle. It was a whistleblower's book. And I had known who this person was because he was pretty famous inside the organization for writing vast amounts of material And he basically wrote the book and said, I can't do this anymore. I can't do this anymore. People are not taking blood and losing their lives and their children's lives because they think we're the anointed. We're good guys and good gals, 
but we're just like every other Christian trying to apply God's Word accurately. And it was that book that kind of broke me through. Okay? Let's see. Any other questions? Yes, sir. Let's go here. You mentioned that they use the same terminology but a different dictionary. Yes, sir. And um, you, you, you talked about the, I don't know if you were referring to the scripture that they use in the number two, but you never told us what the dictionary was. So the, the, Oh, I see. Well, okay. So one of their dictionaries is the New World's Translation. The New World's Translation is their version of the Bible. Okay? So like we would refer to King James or another translation, they say our New World's translation is, hold that for me if you would, do, is the translation. Well, well, why is this the translation, I would ask? Well, in the mid-50s, they, their governing body, their anointed Christians, basically went back and went through the Greek and through the Hebrew and, according to them, made a more accurate translation of the Bible. And so they've got different definitions that come from their Bible, their New World's translation. I mean, this is true, though. I mean, if, if, you, if you went to the Quran or to what religions, let me see how to, how to put this um, elegantly. They basically are redefining the Bible. And the Jehovah's Witnesses won't tell you who was on their translation committee. They basically say because... You know, we were doing that for Jehovah, and we want to have those folks remain anonymous. But the point is you can't do any fact-checking about uh, the PhDs or the know-how or did people really understand the Hebrew? Were, were they versed uh, and, and qualified to do the translation? But, sir, to answer your question spot on, really their vocabulary comes from their New World's translation from their Bible, which was done in the mid-'50s. How about another question? Yeah, I see a couple of hands. Are you all okay with questions and answers on this piece? Okay, all right, all right. I don't want folks getting bored now. Can, oh, repeat the question. Yes, ma'am. All right, I'll do it. Okay, in fact, for my hand holders here, if you got the mic, go ahead and get to the mic like Aretha over here and so that they can hear you and feel you. What you got? What's your name? Deborah. Deborah, and what's your question, Deborah? Okay, I had a Jehovah's Witness come to my house, and the first question that he asked is, he says, do you know the name of God? Now, do, gonna, do you know what? Do you know the name of God? Do you know the name of God? And so I'm going to tell you what I said, and then you tell me what I should have said. Sure. <laughs> um, I said, well, uh, he's known as Elohim, Adoniah, mm-hmm. uh, Jehovah, and Jesus, mm-hmm. uh, to name a few. He's got a lot of names. Mm-hmm. And it, this just kind of threw him for a loop. Mm-hmm. So what would be a, an answer that you would give someone when they say, do you know the name of God? Because you know they're going for Jehovah. Yeah. You I, know, but. I, I would say, you know, God's got many names. It's called God, Jehovah, and I would say all the things that you said. Elohim, uh, Adonai. Yeah, Here, here's where, but I think here's the point that I think that you're helping to make. I'm going to, if I can call it tip, I'm going to call it a tip. Put tip number one, tip number one. Tip number one, if you want to be effective Jehovah's Witnesses, tip number one, conversations, not presentations. Think tip number one, if you're going to be effective in ministry, you've got to create conversations, not presentations. In other words, you, you know, you're asking me the question, what exactly should I say or present? I, I don't know if there's any silver bullet in terms of what to say, 
I think the silver bullet is to have a conversation that takes place over time. Because if you're serious about missions, let's say we were going to, the, uh, to my missionaries here. I mean, it, you don't try to get it all done in one 15-minute conversation, get the gospel in someone's heart. You recognize it's going to take two to three sessions at least. Are you with me on that? All right. So, so, so um, go to tip number two. Process, not event. Process, not event. It's going to be a process, not an event. It's not going to be a one-time hit. I use these five words and I got them. Well, that wouldn't be true playing offense with God's word, nor is it true playing defense about God's word. So, so you want to have conversations and invite them into a process or a relationship where you can meet over and over. And in that way, you can get some depth. Yes, sir. You mentioned that... What's Jeho- your name again, sir, for the group? My name is Chris. Yeah, Chris. You mentioned that Jehovah Witnesses are very studious. They are studious, sir. My question is, are they given canned answers for when we defend one of these beliefs that they have? Are they told what to say? Yes. Um, the example that we just used, the 144,000. Yeah. If you study Revelation, those 144,000 are Jewish, and there are 12,000 of each of the 12 tribes. Sure. So, obviously, we're Gentiles. Sure. How sure. do they respond to these things okay. when you, I guess you get them, uh, you catch them? Yeah. So, <laughs> well, so Chris asked the question for the back of the room, you know, are they taught how to respond to the things that we say? And the short answer is yes. They role play, literally role play. You meet a Muslim. What am I going to say? What is the typical Muslim going to say? What scripture are you going to show them? What is their retort going to be? You're going to meet a guy named Chris. He's a, he used to be a Catholic. Now he's a Christian, and he thinks he knows what he's talking about, and his heart is pure, and he's going to say this to you, and you're going to say that to Chris, and Chris will say something back to you. And so there's a complete role-play process that we would go through. And so that, that's why I go back to this plan, do, review process. I mean, these folks are buttoned up. That They're inaccurate, but they buttoned up. They believe in what they say. Uh, uh, let's see. Uh, let, let me put it this way. This is going to hurt. This is true for me, too. You all ready for another quick quote? They know their lie better than we know the truth. They know their lie better than we know the truth. You ask most Christians, show me 66 books. Micah, where are you? I got Micah in the room. I got a Micah in the room. Micah. So you say to somebody, take me to the book of Micah. Tell me where Assyria was. We can't, we struggle to do that. You ask a Jehovah's Witness for the most part, bam, bam, bam. They know their lie better than we know the truth. That's a problem. Yes, ma'am. Let me go over here to her. When do they start? When, yes. When did I or when, when no, were they? No, just follow, follow okay. with me. Okay. <laughs> if you don't observe Christmas, uh-huh. Easter, uh-huh. birthdays, uh-huh. and these children today are thrown into a society where they're 
public schools. Yeah. Preschool. Okay, I got I you mean, on. When did you when do you start telling your children don't you can't get a birthday cake in a balloon? Sure. Now what I love about Aretha, Aretha talking to me like I'm still a Jehovah's Witness. Do you notice it? <laughs> I, she like, why are you doing that? Okay, I left Aretha. I left. I love it. I ain't there no more. But I like this about Aretha. Please she, accept Oh, I do. I do. No problem. No, you, no you, it's all good. It's all I love. I have to fight. I have 10 brothers. It's all love. <laughs> so her question is, now, Daniel, how, how did they let those Jehovah's Witness kids go to public schools, other kids celebrating birthdays, Easter, birthday parties, they can't go roller skating, the whole thing? Well, I would say this. They got indoctrinated from the get-go. So hold on, stay with me. If you go to a classic kingdom hall, the kids are in the same sanctuary as the adults. There isn't like a kids' church, y'all going to play. No, you're going to go to the book of Micah too. you four years old, you're going to the book of Micah. And so they learn alongside with the parents. And I have to tell you, when I went to a kingdom hall, it was one of the first things that was impressive to me. I said, now, this look like the real deal. I mean, it's, it's no cookies and cakes for the kids in the other room. You two will learn God's word. Okay? Now, so they're learning it as the adults are learning it, number one. But number two, kids being kids, they're coming home and saying, hey, birthdays, why can't I celebrate birth- birthdays or Halloween? It's not easy, but here... Again, it's kind of the the feedback. Sweetheart, son, you're not like those supposed Christians. Their baggy pants are down. They cussing and fussing. Didn't you hear the rap music they was listening to? And so, in other words, the conduct, they they still may want to celebrate those holidays, but they see the conduct that is not Christian. And so our own conduct, I think, helps them go, you know what? I really did want to do the birthday thing, but it's true. The people who celebrate birthdays are doing these 10 other things that are not right. You know what? My mom and dad might be accurate. Maybe I don't need to follow folks who wear the pants on the ground, cussing and fussing, etc. Are you with me on that? that? So your question is, how do they sell their kids on it? Or how do they keep their kids from going crazy because they can't do a lot of the things other kids can't do? Because of the conduct that... Uh, they still struggle on the birthdays, but all the other conduct makes them go, you know what? I don't need to follow these people. I mean, I still want to go to the birthday party, but I see that, well, here, here it is for your notes. And they used to say this to me, and it was true. Uh, here was the kind of the analogy. Daniel, if you got a dirty washcloth and you put it in with five clean washcloths, is the, is the clean five clean washcloths going to get the dirty cloth clean, or is the dirty cloth going to get the clean ones? Are you with me on this? Yeah. Put, for your notes. Dirty affects clean. So, so their point was, you go hang out with some of them dirty washcloths at that party, their dirt is going to get on your clean. So, so, they, so they say, baby, sorry you can't do that. Tell you what, your birthday is on the 15th. We're not going to do a birthday party, but that weekend, maybe we'll go ahead and go to a play or show. So they've got kind of a side doorway, back doorway of doing some celebrating. They just don't call them birthday parties. and They, they might do a little something-something on Christmas Day, but they don't have a Christmas tree. Uh, different people handle it different ways, but overall, 
our own Christian conduct is what allows them to go, you know what? I don't need to be at that party, so to speak. All right? Yeah. Oh, Aretha got another one? Okay, let me go. Okay, let me go back here because she's going to get me if I, I mean, you, you see that. Okay. Yeah, yeah, y'all remember Flo from the Jeffersons? Okay, that's Flo over here. That's Flo. Let me come over here to Flo. Flo, what you got? I, I don't need a mic. Okay, remember. Now, having heard what you just said, mm-hmm. now this tends to stay in place under your watch. Mm. But do you find when you let them go and they go off to college, they're in all secular worlds? Now, how do you handle them coming back? Okay, very good question. So I would say that that's a direct parallel to us as Christians. So when they're in your household from K to 12th grade, Mm -hmm. yes, ma'am, no birthdays, no holidays, then when they're on their own, things may begin to change. So, yes, if you had 10 Jehovah's Witness kids. Is it 40% that's straight to the secular world or what kind you want to look at it? Do it stay stay with what you taught them? Ma, I don't have a statistics, but I would say if you ask me to gut it out, 50-50. 50 stay, 50 gone. I mean, I don't think those statistics are any different than ours, okay. so to speak. Okay. Yep. All right, let me go uh, here, and then I've got another video I want to show you, and then we'll do a check-in on your stamina and in terms of time code, etc. It is 7.30, and we got started at basically 6.30. Uh, are y'all okay for another 15 minutes or so? All right, so I see a hand back there. Let me go here. Are there um, repercussions for leaving the organization? Yeah, anybody, can anybody answer that? You all know about that? I mean, I know there are. Are there repercussions for leaving the organization? Yeah, the answer is yes. And so basically, you will get ostracized. You will get cut off from your friends and family. You will be considered a, for your notes, apostate okay so you leave you lose family so here you come trying to show me something in the book of john and it's logical make that note logical i need a second note emotional see you think you can get me with your logic but there's emotion for me to leave i got to change not only my life I'm going to affect my family's life, etc. So you, they say, or we say in sales, um, people reason with logic, but they buy on emotion. People reason with logic, but they stay because of emotion. People reason with logic. You can show me that scripture, but I'm staying because of emotion, because I love my mother. Because this is how I was raised. I love my brother. These are my peeps. Again, our doctrine may not be A plus. Maybe there's some A minuses. You know, maybe we got some errors. But, but where do you expect me to go, Joanna? You want me to go to your church? Like the same church I see on TV with folks speaking in tongues, unquote, and there's no interpretation? Or, or the, the Christian guy who's, who's rocking his rap music with the pants down and got the cross on. I, you know what I'm talking about, right? So, so that's part of it. That's really part of it. People reason with logic, but they stay for emotion. And I'd like to give you this acronym. I'll go here with a hand. Put, uh, just, just, just write it uh, vertically. S-E-E. S-E-E. C. C. 
significant emotional event. I have found that for folk to leave, there's got to be a significant emotional event. So Aretha said, wait a minute, Daniel. Tell me about Isaiah, your fifth grader. You mean if he got into an accident, God forbid, you wouldn't give him blood? Uh, That would be one of those significant emotional events that would make me open to hearing a lot of what you have to say. Because when the elders say, yeah, no blood, the emotion is what begins to make you clear and makes you more courageous, so to speak. It's not always the logic. Pastor, am I doing okay? Am I making sense? Okay. All right, go for it. My name's Katie. Um, hey, Kate, talk, talk loud to us, girl. Outside of the differences between um, Jehovah Witnesses and Christians, do you think that um, Christians should be held responsible for even such a thing happening because of the different preaching and teaching? You know, we, a lot of preachers, not saying this church or my church, yeah. but they get up and they preach, oh, when you become saved, this great yes. miracle happens and yes. everything's going to be wonderful and peaches and cream. And that's not, they're not really teaching you, you know, the struggle it is to be a Christian. Yeah. Could we be the ones being held accountable for these type of things happening, seeing how, I mean, they make these differences between the two religions, but the fact is they're not believers. Yeah. So I, if I'm understanding your question, uh, you're asking, are we as Christians and our pastors and preachers and us as disciple makers contributing to the growth of cults? And should, the answer is yes. Should we be held responsible or accountable? I think God's word says we should certainly give that some thought. Okay? So we should give it. My personal opinion is yes. That's just my personal opinion. So the reason I'm here today I, I have an accountability responsibility to drive to Memphis, Tennessee, leave my family to make sure that if Christians need to be taught defense, who better to teach defense than someone that went through the experience? And pastors and preachers have a, a responsibility to teach God's word accurately. And we have a responsibility to hold them accountable if they don't. But you see pastors and I don't want to use names. And so, so yes is the answer. Yes. All right, we saw another hand. Let's get one or two more questions, then I'm going to go to, uh, and Pastor's going to make a comment too. We'll show you a video on the number one subject, Jesus. Because if you got to have a silver bullet, one silver bullet, you got to go to the number one subject. Who do you say Jesus is? Would you put that in your notes? It's a sneak preview of where we're going. Now, if you got a, a bullet, what you jumping for, girl? What, have you got a bullet in the chamber? Jesus is the silver bullet, and the question is, who do you say Jesus is? Amen. Okay? Now, we're going to get into a little bit of that detail, but that's it. Don't ask about 1914, the name of Jehovah, why don't y'all celebrate holidays? Go straight for the throat, the number one subject. Who do you say Jesus is? That's we got one back here. That's the bottom line. That's the bottom line. Yes, ma'am. Who say Jesus is? I had a comment actually about tip number two where you said process, not event. Process, not event. And um, just to say. That was good, wasn't it? That was real good. that was good. That was was real good. good. That was good. That was pretty. Okay, since y'all won't tell me, I'll tell myself. That was was good. That was good. Process I don't not, care if you ain't got nothing over uh, there on the paper. That's good. Okay, pro, go for it. Uh, just thinking about, I hear sometimes, I've heard people say that Christians 
or believers should take note of what Jehovah's Witnesses do. The process, not event, as well as the... Um, the uh, role-playing. Yes. I remember as a child at my church where... You did role-play. We did role-play. If I wasn't a child, I remember I was in college, and we were having to disciple, and we did role-plays then because we have to be ready. Yes, because somebody is waiting on that significant emotional event to happen in Look their life you, so that they can see Jesus. Look at amen, you. amen. Look at But you. that process, not event, is um, called patience. Mm. And we as Christians have to be patient with non-believers or sinners or, you know, we have to be uh, able and patient enough to go through a process with people. It can't be a one and done. Amen. I talked to them for 10 minutes. I dropped them a couple words. How come they didn't convert? Well, you know that is not a disciple-making process. You didn't come to know God's Word on a one and done. It became a process. So for your notes, let's just put relationship, relationship strategies. You ought to have some relationship strategies where you're getting to know the person more over time. And I hear her saying, they got relationship strategies. They don't give up. They keep knocking on your door. Pass. Yeah, you sure? All right, we'll go to video, and we'll go to the number one subject. And this video... I need you to put on your safety belt if you're ready, say ready. Ready. Now, this video is about six minutes in length. It moves quickly, but it talks about the number one subject, Jesus. You're going to have a lot of questions. I'm trying to connect the dots. Remember, it's hard to connect the dots on doctrine that we may not agree with, but I've done my best here. All right, so let me go grab that. All right, I see some yawning here, so that means, you know, we need another 10 minutes, and then we're going to shut it down. Y'all can't handle no more. You can't handle no more. Ain't no sense to me keep talking. You ain't ready for prime time. All right, here we go. I call this the top three reasons not to join the Jehovah's Witnesses. Hi, I'm Daniel Grissom. And I used to be a Jehovah's Witness. Over time, I had discovered that I had confused their sincerity for accuracy on the number one subject in the world, Jesus Christ. Hey, listen, I'm shooting this video for you and your loved ones because I'm wondering, could you be making the same error, confusing sincerity for accuracy on the number one subject in life, Jesus Christ? Hmm. Let's take a look at the April the 1st, 1979 article. It's, It's from the section called Questions Readers Ask. And the question that was posed by one of the Jehovah's Witnesses to the watchtower, to the governing body was, is Jesus Christ the mediator for people like you and me? And the answer was no. Take a look at the document as I speak to you. Now, sure, it's from 1979, but this belief is still in play today with the Jehovah's Witnesses. Let me say that one more time. The question was asked, is Jesus Christ the mediator for people like you and me? The mediator, the savior, the go-between. And the answer was no. Not unless you're one of the anointed, one of the 144,000 members of the Jehovah's Witnesses. Hmm. 
Let's take a look at their organizational chart for a moment. Okay, let's see. We've got Jehovah God. Underneath Jehovah God, we've got Jesus Christ, his son. Okay, and underneath that, we've got the anointed. It says the faithful and discreet slave, also known as the anointed. And then underneath the anointed, you've got the rest of the Jehovah's Witnesses, what they call the great crowd. Hmm. So let me get this straight. The average Jehovah's Witness does not have direct access to Jesus Christ as their mediator. No. Instead, they've got to go through, take a look at the organizational chart again, they've got to go through the anointed class to gain access or have a relationship, a mediator relationship with Jesus Christ and then ultimately Jehovah. Do you get that? Now, now, I didn't make this up. This isn't my visual. This organizational visual also was from an older edition of the Watchtower, but the visual is still true today. Okay, it's time to line up the beliefs and the interpretations and their implications on people like you and me and the active Jehovah's Witnesses you know and love. All right, let's take a look at the first key area, Jesus Christ being the mediator directly for the anointed. The answer is yes. For people like you and me, the great crowd, the average Jehovah's Witness, the answer is no. Jesus Christ is not their mediator. Let's take a look at the second area. Are there sins forgiven now through Jesus Christ? The answer is yes for the anointed, but the answer is yes for the great crowd. Wait a minute now. Notice the incongruency here. Jesus Christ is not the mediator directly for people like you and me, but yet your sins are forgiven now? If Jesus isn't your mediator, isn't your savior, isn't your go-between, how can your sins be forgiven now? Is this what Jehovah's Witnesses are saying? Well, it ain't what they're saying, but it's what they're meaning. Because the average Jehovah's Witness does not connect this dot. Next time a Jehovah's Witness knocks on your door, ask them, is Jesus Christ your mediator? And invite them into this conversation. Let's continue. The third major area of belief or interpretation is about the New Testament. The anointed, the answer is yes. They teach, the Jehovah's Witnesses in the Watchtower, that is, that the New Testament was written for the anointed. But the answer is no for the average Jehovah's Witness. Hmm. And then finally, and this is huge, praying through Jesus directly. Do the anointed do that? Yes. Does the great crowd, the average Jehovah's Witness, do that? Yes. Stay with the connecting of these dots. If Christ is not my mediator, then why am I praying through him? Go back now to the organizational visual. It seems to almost say that the average Jehovah's Witness is not praying directly through Jesus Christ as their mediator, but instead is praying through the anointed class. In other words, the anointed have actually stepped in the place of Jesus and are acting almost as mediators themselves between you and Jesus Christ, which is why Jesus Christ is not the mediator for people like you and me and the average Jehovah's Witness according to their beliefs. So why did I leave the Jehovah's Witnesses and why do I recommend that you consider doing the same or helping someone do the same? 
because I was taught and told that Jesus is not your mediator. In fact, I wasn't taught and told that. I had to discover that on my own. And the purpose of this video is to make that discovery easier for people like you and folks that you love. Don't walk, run, when folks have a misinterpretation about Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. God bless you. I hope to talk to you soon. I hope this video has been helpful. Okay, thank you. I'll take a little love on that. So is that helpful, anybody? All right, let me go here. You said helpful how? What light bulb went off or what useful tip did you get from that video where you thought, ooh, I didn't know that. That's a good question I should ask, could ask. I feel a little bit more buttoned up to handle a Jehovah's Witness. What you got? Mm. And, you know, not having read anything about this, you, you can't, the whole Bible is about, at least New Testament, um, is about Jesus being our mediator. Yeah. Everybody goes to God through Jesus. You got it. And this, they don't do that. Yes. So for your notes, the silver bullet subject, Jesus, is he your mediator? So if you got a silver bullet, or if there was one, you're going to go to the number one subject, and you're going to ask questions about who do you say Jesus is? Is Jesus your mediator? Yes, he's my mediator. Well, I went to a seminar, and I, 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 I'm not certain that that's accurate, and, and get them into this conversation. All right, let me get another hand in terms of what was helpful. Helpful. Got a couple hands. Yes, sir. I have a question about how— First name? Keith. Keith. Um, so how are you chosen— to be in the 144,000. How do you know right. that you're on that? Short version, spot? little scary. I asked that question years ago when I was with them. Keith, you, you just know. You just know. You just know. So if you're like... So I, just like a pastor would... No, just... And pastor, you can speak to this. Just like a pastor would say, God spoke to me and about going into the ministry. I mean, is there some, some form they got to fill out? Like, how do they know? They, they know. And, and we take their word for it, and we look at, you know, their behavior to see if it's in alignment with that. But, but, but we know even in ministry, some were, y'all heard this, right? Some were called, some were sent, and some just went, right? And with the Jehovah's Witnesses, they will say, yes, I'm one of the anointed. And like a pastor who says, I'm anointed, or I'm called into ministry, how, how, how do you refute that? You just honor it. But, but that's, that's how. They just know. Yeah. All right. And, and they know like a pastor knows because, you know, God's word and, you know, like there's a criteria to be a deacon. I mean, there is some criteria for them to consider, but ultimately it's a self-conclusion. What, what do they believe about the Holy Spirit? Do, like if Jesus isn't. Yeah. They believe that the, they believe uh, they don't believe in the Trinity, but they do believe in the three separate bodies, Jehovah, Jesus, Holy Spirit. Okay? And they believe that the Holy Spirit is an active force, not a person, but a kind of like active force, so to speak. And so if you were to go to the kingdom hall, you would hear about the Holy Spirit. You, you wouldn't hear that the three are one, but you would hear about the three separately. Yes, ma'am. I'll come back to you. 
Yes, ma'am. I'm Janice. Hey. And what I, what I don't understand is how does Christ mediate? Is it through the shedding of his blood? How do they, how does that anointed group become saved, if you will? How do they acquire salvation? Is it, what does Christ do for them? Yeah, but, but be, they would say, just like us, you know, Christ's blood, okay. not on the cross, but okay. on, the, on the torture. So in that state. case, the blood has power. Yes. Only not yes. power. Okay. And, 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 and like many things, how do I, there's a lot of truth. This is where the 88% kind of comes in. Okay. There's, I mean, isn't this what Satan does? There's some truth mixed in with some lie. I mean, if it were all lie, you go, well, see, that's a big lie. I mean, nobody's going to join that. Mm-hmm. But yes, just as though that Christ is our mediator is just exclusive to those 144,000. They believe that the New Testament was written just for the anointed. And so I don't know if you picked that up from the yeah. video, but um, so let me go uh, here and I'm coming on right back. We'll take a few more questions, and then we'll do a check-in and, and, and maybe do a timeout or at least be fair to the folks that may have some time constraints. If you're ready, say ready. All right. Yes. So they had the two classes, the anointed class and the earthly class, and you said they were basically self-chosen almost. Yes, sir. Um, my question, I guess, was that when they die, the anointed class goes to heaven, the earthly class stays on like a paradise mm-hmm. here. Mm-hmm. Do they both live in the presence of God? Um, revelation, resurrection, like God walked with Adam and Eve kind of in the garden, they, they're certainly going to have that relationship. And I'm pausing here because I don't want to make a misstatement. Obviously, the anointed are in heaven living with angels and living with God. But then there's the earthly relationship. So I, I would say, yes, they're going to have access to Jehovah. Will they be with Jehovah in heaven? No. But will they have access to Jehovah from an earthly standpoint, just like Adam and Eve did? Yes. You all are asking, y'all asking me to go deep on some of their doctrine. Y'all sound like a reefer. I mean, this, I ain't dead no more. I mean, I, okay, I see a couple of hands back there. I had uh, you on hold. 144 is kind of a small number for all the billions of people on the earth. So um, I was wondering if you knew what would happen. Well, not what would happen. If you knew uh, more than 144 people that have claimed to be part of the anointed and if they had arguments on who was actually anointed or yeah. not. Yeah, so, so over the course, the, the Jehovah's Witness organization, the Watchtower, is over 100 years old. And there have been many more than 144 thousand people who claim to be one of the 144,000. So there are discussions and debates internally who was really an anointed person, who wasn't, etc. And so, yes, that does happen inside the Jehovah's Witnesses. And th- their ultimate position is Jehovah will judge. You know, Jehovah will judge. So let's see. I know the gentleman. Oh, let's go to my lady here. Yes, ma'am. So instead of the people, well, it goes to Jehovah and then it goes to the anointed. And these anointed people are basically put on a pedestal, right? Yes. So when they pray, they're not praying to Jehovah. They're praying to these anointed ones, right? Well, if you were to ask, you, very good pickup. 
So if you were to ask the Jehovah's Witness that you might bump into tonight, they're going to say, I'm praying to Jehovah through Jesus Christ. I do not pray through the anointed. Page two. Well, is Jesus your mediator? Because well, I have a document here that says that he's only the mediator for the anointed. Mm-hmm. So if, if Jesus isn't your mediator, then who is? So by default, yes, they're praying through that anointed class, but they would never just say, yes, I'm praying to, through the anointed. Uh, dear Jehovah, please listen to my prayers. Uh, and, and Jesus Christ and the anointed class's name. You know, they don't close the prayer that way, but it's part of kind of the reality. Now, let, let me make this point. How do I know this? They never taught me this. Uh, Joanna, you asked me about how I left. That book called Crisis of Conscience, the, the gentleman that used to write the Watchtower and was in all the meetings, he made this point. It was like on two, page 200, and he basically said, most Jehovah's Witnesses, let's just say you're the Jehovah's Witnesses, two out of this whole room recognize that Jesus Christ is not their mediator because it's baked into some of their doctrine. You got to get peel that onion back, so to speak. And my point is, with you as a, as a Christian, you can help peel that onion back by asking questions about Jesus. What do you believe? Is he your mediator? Tell me about these two different classes of Christians, and, and, and you will unfold or help them unfold some of this. You join the Jehovah's Witnesses. They teach you the doctrine. You don't vet it on your own. And you're going to so many meetings, and you're in the plan-do review process that there's stuff that's in that 12% bucket that you just haven't had a chance to vet yourself. You want to ask questions about that 12% that they're not so clear about. And Jesus is the number one subject in that bucket called the 12%. Making sense? If you're ready, say ready. All right, let me I have gr- another question. Uh-oh. <clears throat> These, oh, you sorry. must be hanging with Joanna. She got one of them triple questions here. <laughs> these, re- oh, you, Joanna got another one. Go ahead. <laughs> the ones that are anointed, these are just mere human beings, right? But uh, the, on one the, hand, ma'am, so I'm, I'm role-playing a little bit. On one hand, yes. they're just mere human beings, they can still sin, right? That's true. So we still got these, well, not we, still got these people praying to the anointed, to the anointers or whatever, and they're sending their thing up to, yep. to Jehovah. Yep. But what if these anointed, these anointed ones, aren't they sinning? They are sinning. Uh, they are human. I mean, they're it's, still capable to sin. Yeah. I'm just trying to, you know, I'm trying to give it to you the way they would give it to you. If we were living back in Jesus' day, there would have been the 12 disciples. The 144,000 are essentially their 12 disciples. So, so Matthew, Mark, Luke, they would have been sinning at the time, but we still consider them to be anointed or used by God. Are you with me on that? Yeah. It's in that same vein that in their mind, these, these, these people that you just saw on the screen are, yes, they're regular human beings, but they're set aside. They're special, like Mark or John or Luke, and, and that's the belief. Yes, ma'am. Okay. All right. And we'll take, yes, sir, we had you on hold. You, you still remember your question, sir? Actually, actually, the young lady right up there heard my question as guess in my mind. No. She said, she asked the same question. Okay. Because I was concerned about the 144,000. How do we calculate the number mm. if we continue to keep adding to it? Mm. 
uh, when does it get to be no more room for anybody yeah. else? Got it. And you said they don't stop adding to it. Well, you know, there's a discrepancy about who really was and who wasn't, and, um, and Jehovah will judge. So um, there certainly have been more than 144,000 people over the course of the last 100 years that thought that they were of the anointed class. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, Jehovah will judge would, would, would be their response. And re- keeping in mind now, hey, Listen, if you're in the kingdom hall and you don't think you're a Matthew, Mark, Luke, or Paul, most of us as Christians don't think that way. We're okay being regular Christians. Well, most Jehovah's Witnesses are okay not being of the anointed because they've got an earthly hope to be here on earth in an earthly paradise. So in their mind, it's not so bad, and they will have a relationship with Jehovah. Okay? All right. So anything else major from anyone else, and Barrett, I'm going to bring this back to you. And then, or make a comment or two, and then kind of wrap up. Yeah, look, 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 Aretha. Uh, oh, we got one over here, and then, okay. Oh, you got one. All right. All right, here we go. Can, 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 can they ask one more question? Uh-oh, I got one up top. Got two more questions. Joanna won't, she still won't want one more. Aretha won another one. Okay, here we go. Hey, my name is Angie. Hey, Angie. I have a friend. She's a Jehovah Witness. Yes, ma'am. And she doesn't believe, they don't believe in hell. This is what she tells me. That's right. So what happened to all the people that's non-believers? Do they stay here at Jehovah? Yeah, Jehovah. They basically believe that they won't be resurrected, kind of sleep state, so to speak. And by, by, by the way, you said that they don't believe in hell. I'm going to, Angie, need to double-check the accuracy. Here's, here's what they do believe, though, for sure, that there's a sleep state. So if you are not a believer or a Jehovah's Witness, you won't be resurrected. You may not be in hell for eternity. You, 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 you just will not be resurrected, so to speak. Okay. So, you, yeah, you just, you just, you just non-existent. <laughs> You're just out the box. Okay. So you're just floating around somewhere. Not floating around. You just, just like uh, I didn't know about life before I had life. Well, if you're not a believer, you'll be dead and you just will not be resurrected into the new life. You just will be in that state. Yep. As opposed to burning in hell kind of thing. So there's no real repercussion Yes, I guess. You can think about it that way. What's that, sir? What do they do with what? Children. Children? Before the days are kind of. Uh, I have to say, just to be honest with you, I'd have to double check. I, I, my memory is rusty on that. I, I'm not as strong on what happens if a kid dies at five. Do they go to heaven? Do they resurrect it? Not 100% sure. Yes, ma'am. Who is the crowd? It's everybody other than the 144,000. So, so there's the 144,000 that are going to be with Jehovah in heaven, and then there's everybody else called the crowd. Okay? All right? I'm walking up. Go. No, it ain't. No, it ain't, Aretha. But go ahead. I like you, Aretha. Go ahead.
I make the decision as a husband, and she makes the decision ultimately as her body. But as the husband, I'm going to encourage her to follow Jehovah's Word, not take the blood transfusion. And what Jehovah's Witnesses do, they have blood substitutes. So, yes. So it does not automatically mean that you're laughing, right? So, right. Exactly. They kind of got a way out on several of their things. Okay. So there's blood substitutes that Tasia could take, Isaiah could take to keep them alive. But blood itself would not do it. Jehovah's Witnesses might put me out of the organization for doing something like that. All right. Let's start. I'm trying. I'm trying to walk back, Barry. They won't let me go. <laughs> and girl, I'm gonna finish it. Okay. All right. What you got? What was the point of my life? The point of my life was the glorification of God, of Jehovah, sir. Go out in the missions and field service, just like this group here. To go teach God's word accurately, sir. To love thy neighbor. It was the exact same mission. Different dictionary. But if you were at the kingdom hall, you'd hear the same passion. It's actually kind of scary to be on both sides of the equation. Just, um, and as I study the Bible and we talk about Satan, and Pastor, you can probably give you this scripture better than I can quote it, but he appears as an angel of light. I mean, it doesn't come off crazy. I mean, you're in there, and it sounds just like missions for us. Let's go here. Already answered. Ooh, I like this one up here. Yeah. Aretha, you need to be hanging out with her a little bit more, Okay. No, you know I'm messing with you. You got any more? You got you good? All right, let's go. And then Joanna. Thank you. Thank you for keeping me in the Jehovah's Witnesses, Aretha. Thank you for keeping me. Yeah. Yes, go for it. Again, context you take the text out of the context, you're left with nothing but a con. It's just Yes, with their definition of the Bible, etc. Now, you know, in terms of going back to how did they come up with that conclusion, it's just as unique as how they came up with 144,000 are going to heaven, which gets back to them interpreting their own Bible, context versus text. Yes, ma'am. Yeah, Johanna? Uh huh. In China. Really? That's right. So, 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 yeah. So, in this case, Joanna, I would say, Mom. I'd like to have you a conversation about Jesus and what you believe. And I heard something about mediator. And in other words, invite the person into a conversation. They, they love a good homework assignment. So don't try to close them or persuade them. 
ask provocative questions where they've got a homework assignment and then let them, if you would, just for your notes, this will be my closeout quote and then we'll, we'll wrap up. If you're ready, say ready. ready. Self-discovery is more powerful than your presentation. Self-discovery is more powerful than your presentation. If you can get them to self-discover, I mean, it's like me with Isaiah. I can tell Isaiah what to do. That's pretty powerful. But if I can get Isaiah to draw his own conclusions, it's more powerful. Self-discovery. And so you've got to invite your mom into a conversation about Jesus. I mean, I think she'd have that. And ask her some questions. Say, Mom, can you do a little homework on that? I'm just, you know, I heard some things. Maybe what I heard isn't accurate. But can you check that out for me? Self-discovery. Good questions, asking for good homework. Okay, team, let me give you this as I'm walking out the door. So I am not here to, um, here representing an organization called Watchman Fellowship. Watchman actually was the organization where I discovered that book, Crisis of Conscience. And so I'm now here kind of representing them. Uh, my teammate was here last week speaking about the Mormons. There is basically a toolkit that's available over at the table. Candace is over at the table. Say hi, Candace. Say hi, Candace. There are four DVDs in a book. And basically, if you're interested in the toolkit, it's a $60 investment. She'll take a card. There's a DVD called The Mark of the Colts, and so it's an overview of many cults. There's a specific DVD on the Jehovah's Witnesses. There's a DVD on Muslims. And there's a DVD on Mormonism. And then ultimately, this red book is kind of a summary book, again, of many of the religions. You, if you're looking for a toolkit to keep the learning fresh, then that's available to you. The set here, which is what I recommend, is a $60 investment. If you just wanted the Jehovah's Witness DVD, it's a $15 investment. I make no money off of it, but if you think about going in uh, where's my people back here? Process, not event. You see, if I come in, give you a high five, a couple of good hugs, and, and we leave without providing you with a toolkit, we run the risk of this being a great event, but not the start of a new learning process. Is that fair? All right. Uh, was this helpful? All right. Uh, you said this is helpful. I want to thank you for allowing me to come in and be a good helpmate. I'll be over at the table with Candace, give you a hug. I'll give you my phone number. And... Um, I'd say God bless you, and now it's time for you to give me love. I need love, too. Need love. Uh, if you're like me, you have enjoyed and benefited greatly from this tonight, and I do want to thank you, Daniel, uh, for coming. We are, as a church at ICC, we, just, we open our doors to you. This seminar was provided through ICC. We are paying for all of his expenses to get here and get back home and to stay tonight at a, a good hotel, we, we hope, and to eat some ribs or whatever Sheraton you want to do. Yes, yeah, sir. whatever. And uh, we also are going to give Daniel a personal gift just to thank him for being here tonight. But we also wanted to provide the opportunity for you, if you would be interested, on your way out, there'll be a basket. And we are going to, last week and this week, we've been accepting uh, donations, contributions toward the Watchman organization, Watchman Fellowship, so that they can continue their ministry uh, teaching about uh, 
groups that are not, that don't have the truth, both other world religions, but also Christian cults, groups that are distorting the truth of the Bible. So if you're interested in giving toward this ministry so that they can continue their work in other places with other groups that need this message, would you consider giving tonight? Again, this is uh, going directly to support the ministry of Daniel and his colleagues at Watchman, uh, and we're thankful for that. I'm going to... Um, Say also, we do encourage you to get the resource at the table. There's some stuff here that's just great, and we personally would love for you to do that. You've also got in your book a sample of one of their resources that they provided for us. There's a sheet, a profile sheet on the Watchman Tower, and as you uh, go and work on that process of reviewing, you can go back <laughs> to the, that sheet, the profile of the Watch Tower Bible and Track Society. You see it there in your notebook. If you didn't pick it up, you can on the front table. And you can review some of the key teachings of the Jehovah's Witnesses and the key uh, tips for sharing with them. This is, again, coming from his organization. And they have profiles like this on every cult and world religion ever. And so you can go online and get these resources to uh, help with that. In closing, if you will, if you had one minute to help us understand the difference of how JWs uh, perceive salvation from what the truth is of the gospel. Could you help us just in summary, see how critical our work and our love and our witnessing and labors need to be with the JWs? I mean, you, you don't believe that they've got the truth no, I do of not. salvation. No. But if you could summarize why they are wrong, what their perception is and why it's wrong, and compare that to the truth of the gospel, how would you do that? I would summarize that pastor is they got Jesus wrong. And if you get Jesus wrong, then I called it 12%. If you get Jesus wrong, you got 100% wrong. And so I would summarize the core, if I can use the term issue, the, the major, the, 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 the silver bullet subject is Jesus. But, but it's always been that way, even with the Pharisees, even with, the, so, 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 in essence, that is still at the core. Who do you say Jesus is? And I think that that will get you into some key conversations. Joanna, helping your mom uh, maybe have some conversations, or, or maybe not. And so I would say that that's the number one thing I would say in a one-minute summary is Jesus. Who do you say Jesus is? Is Jesus your mediator? Um, are your sins forgiven? Um, would you like to know what my definition of Jesus is, what role he plays in my salvation? And having a singular conversation about that, instead of playing Bible ping pong, is what we call it, I'm going to get a scripture, you're gonna, they're going to hit it back. You're going to give them a scripture, they're gonna have, you're going to play Bible ping pong. You may as well get straight down to business to the number one subject. Amen. Maybe we should start, you know, I convicted of this. Sometimes I run away from the JWs. Y'all ever play like you're not at home when they knock on your door? Maybe we should not run away from them but run to them. Yes, sir. Because we have the truth, and we need to love them and share with them and influence them, befriend them, work with them, be patient with them, pray for them that they might know the Lord. Because we know that the true gospel of Jesus is the power of God unto salvation for all who believe. And I believe there's many JWs in our community today that the Lord wants to save and can save. But how's he going to do it? He's going to do it through you 
and through me. So Pastor, let's can, can engage I, them and love them through the Lord. The Let me make, you just trigger the thought. So when you meet a Jehovah's Witness and you're having a conversation about Jesus, don't be discouraged. You've perhaps planted a seed that the Holy Spirit will water. Uh, it's just like when you're teaching someone the gospel. You plant the seed. They may not come to the truth at that moment. It may be three years later. But when you ask good questions and you speak with a genuine heart, seeds get planted. Seeds of doubt, seeds of curiosity. What did this lady mean when she said, Jesus Christ is not my mediator? She asked some pretty good questions. I know my mom said, yes, she is. But the daughter might be thinking four years later, I got to go research that on my own. So please don't feel like if you're asking good questions or Joanna with your mom, that maybe a seed, your friend's mom, I'm sorry, your friend's mom. But a seed could be planted that the Holy Spirit waters. I want to thank all of you for coming tonight, especially our guest. We welcome you back next week as we consider the topic of those internationals living in our neighborhoods next door and how we can engage them, help them, love them to the Lord. You're going to be really helped by coming again next Wednesday night, 630. We're going to close our time in prayer and give you time to continue to talk to Daniel, check out the resources. Thank you again for coming tonight. Rob Hodum, if you don't mind, I'm going to put you on the spot. Would you mind to close us in prayer this evening? Heavenly Father, I was glad when they said unto me, let us come into the house of the Lord. And Father, we give you praise and we give you thanks for your son, for your perfect plan. And we just give you praise tonight, Jesus, because you are Lord and you are my Savior. And I just pray that if there's anyone in this audience that doesn't know you tonight, that they would come to know you, that they would ask someone here, about who you are, because you want us to know you. And Father God, I just pray that the seeds that we have taken tonight, that we would not keep it to ourselves, but that we would share and we would boldly go forth and we would share the truth and we would share your word with Jehovah's Witnesses and other people in Memphis who need to know you. And Father God, I just give you thanks and give you praise for this church and for Brother Daniel for letting him come to Atlanta and share with us. And Father, I just pray that we would go out here tonight knowing the truth and that we would share it with others and that through the, your truth that people would be set free. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.